Welcome to episode 37 of the BCF ORG podcast, The Business of Business. I'm Brian Fisher. In episode 36, our guest was Stan Bernard of Bernard Associates. If you missed that one, you might want to go back and listen. Stan has a very unique and interesting perspective on positioning your company. Today's episode 37 will be from the operations column. The topic, employee workforce. Our guest is Julia Polak, Chief Economist at ZipRecruiter. The four podcast categories are management, operations, sales, and financial. This podcast series focuses on the various subjects and topics to help you run a successful, profitable business. They're approximately 10 to 15 minutes long, so you can listen while commuting. Hopefully, you'll find one or two takeaways to implement per episode. We're constantly faced with challenges. This series will assist you in breaking down these challenges into smaller, manageable components. Now, let's move on to today's topic, employee workforce. This topic came to mind a few weeks ago. We were traveling across I-40 and stayed in Amarillo, Texas one night. The person that checked us in that night was there checking us out the next morning. I said, weren't you here last night? He said, yes. He was working a 20-hour shift. I said, wow. He said they can't find anyone to work, and those that do want minimum hours. He's of the baby boomer generation, and that got me thinking. This pandemic and the subsequent stimulus checks have affected our entire society. We see help wanted signs all over the place. I've heard stories of the Great Resignation, where employees are leaving their current jobs and going to work with other companies for higher wages. Some minimum wage earners, like restaurant servers, have had it with putting up with an abusive public. Some who are vaccinated don't want to be put at risk by being around others who are not vaccinated. Others in supervisory positions worked at companies that allowed them to work too much and just got burnt out. We all need to work at a sustainable rate. Like many of you, over the years, I've put in significant extra hours for a project from time to time, but then went back to a sustainable work schedule. Some are taking early retirement, while others are leaving the corporate world entirely. There seems to be a mismatch between employee and company expectations. For example, going back to the office full-time versus the flexibility employees want to work from home. Jobless workers have had time to assess their work and personal life balance. I know one person that worked three jobs, and after being laid off, said why. They've gone from three jobs to one job with benefits. Wanting to gain more insight on this topic, I reached out to Julia Pollock, Chief Economist at ZipRecruiter. She analyzes the labor market at ZipRecruiter and has a particular interest in market design, technology, and the future of work. As a doctoral fellow and assistant policy analyst at the RAND Corporation from 2012 to 2019, she worked on issues related to military manpower, defense acquisition, and military intelligence. She also wrote about topics ranging from healthcare payment models and underemployment to housing and voter turnout. She loves to teach and enjoyed being an adjunct instructor at Pepperdine University in 2017 and 2018 in the social science and communication and business departments, teaching introductory and intermediate economic classes. Let's welcome Julia Pollack. Julia, welcome to the BCF ORG podcast. The business of business. Brian, thank you so much for inviting me. Julia, I'm always interested in people's stories. 
How did you become a chief economist at ZipRecruiter? Ah, well, I was born and raised in South Africa, a country with the highest unemployment rate. And so I saw firsthand very clearly how important it is for people to have employment opportunities. And so I've been motivated by these issues. And when the, when the opportunity at ZipRecruiter found me and I found it, uh, it just was the, the perfect fit. This is the issue that has most motivated me, I think, my whole life. Well, that's great. So, Julia, how do you see the current employment landscape? This is like nothing we have ever seen before. So historically, for example, there have been about two and a half unemployed people per job opening. And after recessions, that number has typically surged to even five or six. Right now, this is like nothing we've ever seen before. Right after a recession, we have the lowest ratio of unemployed people per job opening ever, the tightest labor market on record with two unemployed people for every three openings. And in some parts of the country, like Nebraska, there's only one unemployed person for four openings. So we've seen relative scarcity and bargaining power shift more rapidly than ever before from employers to job seekers. And that is creating great opportunities for job seekers, but enormous challenges for businesses and employers. We hear a lot about the Great Resignation. Uh, would you please expand on that topic? Well, there are really two stories going on. One is resignation from the labor force, and the other is resignation from jobs to other jobs. So the first story is that when the pandemic hit, many, many people left the labor force. And more than a year later, the labor force is still smaller by about 5 million than it would have been absent the pandemic. So People who left because of childcare challenges or fear of uh, workplace health and safety risks, many of them were expected to return with vaccines, the reopening of schools, and with the uh, expiration of the expanded unemployment benefits. And yet they have not flooded back into the labor market. People have left the labor force and are staying out much longer than was expected. That's story number one. Story number two is the record high quits that we're seeing. So record high numbers of workers are voluntarily leaving their jobs at the moment, not to leave the labor force, but to find better opportunities. And that's because we have 50% more job openings now than before the pandemic and a lower labor force. And so job seekers are in the driver's seat and we're seeing the highest wage growth numbers since the 80s, especially in industries like leisure and hospitality that were hard hit by the pandemic. And so this rapid wage growth is causing tremendous churn in the labor market as people leave their jobs for the most attractive opportunities out there for signing bonuses and big wage increases. We're speaking with Julia Pollock, Chief Economist at ZipRecruiter. You know, Julia, it seems employers are having a hard time finding qualified employees. What do you recommend they do? Well, there are many, many things that employers can do. The first is to recognize that this is not just a recruitment challenge. It's not just a challenge of too few new candidates, but it's also a retention challenge. So these record quits. So the first thing employers to do is improve working conditions for the employees they've got. And often that requires listening to them, asking them, what are the five things you would do around the office to make this job more pleasant? What, what conditions could I improve? And often there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. So when we speak to job seekers about the things that would make them happier in their current job, they often tell us it's simple things like putting a coffee machine in the break room or renovating the bathrooms. So take care of all the low-hanging fruit. 
make an investment in company culture, make it fun and exciting to be there. But then, of course, you can't escape the hard facts that the most important thing to workers tends to be wages, pay, salary. Big companies have made huge moves in this regard. They've pushed starting pay up to 15, 16, 18, even $20 an hour in many restaurants and warehouse companies. The share of job postings offering signing bonuses has just skyrocketed from about 2% historically to 12%. So yes, you do as an employer have to compete on cash on money. And that is, of course, more difficult for small businesses than it is for the big companies that are seeing corporate profits at a record high and growing far faster than compensation costs. Well, why are so many people reluctant to go back to work? So if you take a look at these five to six million people who are missing from the labor force right now, Half of them are retirees who would not otherwise be retired. So these are not just people who went into retirement early. They're also people who were retired who didn't unretire. Typically, a large share of retirees come back to the labor market. But during a global pandemic, when there's a disease that, that poses the biggest risk to people, older people, many decided to, to sit it out and not come back. And of course, Rising house prices and a strong stock market have contributed to that issue because many older workers now have quite a substantial nest egg and are not facing financial pressure to come back to the labor force. So we'll see. I am betting that at least half of those people will return at some point when the conditions are sufficiently attractive for them to do so. Another third of those people are women, prime age women who left because schools were closed for more than a year and they had to supervise their kids at home. And it was impossible to do that while also leaving for a job. Humans are creatures of habit. Once you are out of the labor force for that amount of time, it often takes several years to come back. I make the comparison to marriage sometimes. Um, 80% of people who get divorced remarried, but that's only 80%, not 100%. And on average, it takes about four years. And I think in the labor market, we're going to see a similar thing, that most of the people who left will come back, but it won't happen overnight. Well, speaking of the financial side of things, how has the stimulus checks affected people returning to work? So I think the structure of our fiscal response has got something to do with the decline in labor force participation. Other countries like Germany did not give people you know, more than 100% of their incomes through the government, but rather gave them 80% of what they'd been making for through their employer. So that structure preserved the relationship between employee and employer, and also preserved the incentive to return to that job after the pandemic, once it was uh, once there was work to do again. Here, we, we, we took a different path. We didn't have the same sort of institutional framework. And, uh, and so we saw these massive, massive layoffs, you know, more than 20 million in one month, and all of these relationships between employers and employees have severed. And, uh, you know, this is a very complicated matching market. Many people have very firm, specific human capital and networks, and rebuilding those takes time. We're speaking with Julia Pollock, Chief Economist at ZipRecruiter. Uh, Julia, what should employees and employers do in the future uh, when employers are looking to fill a position or employees are looking to interview for a position? 
Well, I think the most important thing for job seekers to do is to do some research. And that's never been easier than it is now. You can look for jobs online uh, from the comfort of your own home and the safety of your own home and from your phone. Uh, Job search is largely mobile these days. And it's possible to look for all kinds of things that are important to you for the work. You can do keyword searches for remote or uh, flexible schedules or for any of the things that are important to you. Uh, you can look for jobs at the, the fastest growing companies or at companies that are do good to companies that, that are in areas that you're passionate about. I would encourage people not just to search for a job title, but to see the breadth and richness of what's going on in the economy and the amazing things that the different companies are doing. And act in the, in the labor market as, as you would if you were on an online dating site looking for the characteristics of a job that make you happy. For employers, the times that we're in make it just not good enough to post a job and sit back and relax. Uh, you're, you know, most employers are not going to get enough people applying to their positions if they just post jobs in the newspaper classified section the way they used to and expect the candidates to come. So I would encourage employers to take a more proactive approach now. ZipRecruiter, for example, has a, uh, a feature called Invite to Apply, where you can screen through our resume database and find candidates. Well, we present candidates to you who are best suited to your job. And then you can proactively go and invite them to apply to your position. Job seekers, candidates, even people on the sidelines who are not in the labor force love that experience. It's like a military recruiter saying, Uncle Sam wants you. It makes you feel needed, wanted, important. And that can be a really great motivator in a market like this. Is there anything that I've not asked that you'd like to add? Let me think about that for a second. I think this is a very exciting moment, not just because of the increased numbers of job openings due to this rapid demand-driven recovery, but also the nature of the opportunities. And remote work, this, this massive shift to remote work, perhaps will have the greatest impact of all. It's going to change our our economic geography in this country, potentially. And That is because right now you don't need to just search for a job in your city, but you can actually consider jobs in 20,000 other cities across the country, potentially, where employees employees are being allowed to work remotely. And that's really just opening up huge opportunities for job seekers and for employers who can now poach candidates from across the country um, and, and recruit from anywhere. So I think increasingly we're going to turn into a massive national labor market and pool of skills and talent pool. And that is very exciting. It also has implications for governance going forward as states and cities compete to attract workers, not just to attract, you know, Amazon's headquarters and and big companies. Well, if somebody wants to get in contact with you, how can they reach out to you? Ah, you can find me on Twitter. I am Julia on jobs. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and and then, of course, my email address is pretty much what everyone's email address is. First name, last name, first name dot last name at ZipRecruiter.com. Terrific. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Julia. Thank you for having me on the show. My sincere thanks to Julia Pollock for being our guest. Managing the performance of your company is one of the most important things you do as a leader. This podcast is on over 20 directories. 
subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast. And feel free to share this podcast with people who you think may benefit. A strong rating of these podcasts would be appreciated. If you'd like to reach out to me with any questions, comments, ideas, or potentially be a guest like Julia, please go to bcforg.com. There's a red Contact Us button in the middle of the homepage. A LinkedIn symbol is on the upper right. Click on that if you'd like to see my profile. All the podcasts are available by clicking on the website podcast page in the reference bar. These podcasts will be released the first and third Tuesday each month. In the next episode, 38, our guest will be Kimberly Gerber, CEO of Accelerate. Accelerate specializes in helping leaders prepare for and succeed in C-level roles. In business, running a successful, profitable business is the ultimate scorecard. You are never done and can always be better. It tends to be more fun than work, frustrating at times, but can be very rewarding. From BCF ORG Corp., I'm Brian Fisher, wishing you the best. Thanks. Thanks.